Welcome to Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals, the show that teaches you and other busy pros how to grow your wealth so you can live life on your own terms. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. Our guest today is Karen Hall from UDirect IRA Services. UDirect IRA Services is a self-directed IRA administrator specializing in helping you and people like you take control over your retirement investments. With self-directed IRAs, you can invest your retirement in many assets outside of Wall Street, which we're all about here. Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much, Taylor. So could you tell us a little bit more about your background in self-directed IRAs and what brought you to the show today? Sure. I mean, besides the normal answer that when I was a little girl, I dreamed of self-directing my IRA. You know? <laughs> That's what everyone expected. No, I mean, I, I, I just, you know, went to college and got involved in radio and and then uh, was a radio announcer for a while and decided to get into real estate, just made that logical transition and went from there to, um, you know, got engaged and married, became the trailing spouse, got involved in mortgage loan servicing, also did property management, um, was a realtor for a year and mortgage loan servicing and then mortgage loan origination until the recession. And every, I mean, that's the uh, a point for everyone. Everyone had that has their story for that point in their lives. Well, the mortgage industry changed and so did I, and I needed to too. So long story short, I got a job working for a self-directed IRA company and that was great. So I worked there for a couple of years and then branched out on my own and opened UDirect IRA services in 2009. So we talked a little bit more, or a little bit before the show about UDirect is a self-directed IRA administrator and not a custodian. And what is the difference between an administrator and a custodian? Let's just get that out there because I'm, I'm very curious. Right. Well, a custodian have custodies the asset. I guess that's a good way to put it. They're like a trust company or a bank. Uh, typically, they're trust companies. And so with a custodian, what you do is, you know, you've got cash management, you've got audits, you've got, um, you know, you're dealing with, I don't know, maybe even lawsuits uh, because if somebody... I don't know, somebody got upset. And so you've got that. And so you have a lot of these uh, things you have to deal with when you are a custodian. But with, when you're an administrator, 100% of your time and the time of your staff can be devoted to providing customer service to your clients. Okay. Makes perfect sense. And most people that listen to the show might have some familiarity with self-directed IRA investments. I certainly, I invest in my self-directed IRA, but can you give us a super basic high level overview just to help get some of the folks that maybe aren't as familiar with self-directed IRAs up to speed on what, what is a self-directed IRA? Sure, sure. And that's a great question because that's a, a common misconception that a self-directed IRA is different from some other kind of IRA. So understand that the IRS created IRAs it's when Gerald Ford signed the ERISA laws into effect in 1974. They went to effect in 75. They just created IRAs. They didn't create anything, any special kind of IRA, except, you know, you know traditional Roth, SEP, simple, spousal, inherited IRAs. Whether or not they're self-directed has to do with the kind of asset that you're allowed to carry and hold in that IRA account. So think of an IRA like a bucket. And maybe your IRAs with Charles Schwab, well, they're, they're only going to let you put stocks, bonds, and mutual funds in that bucket, Right. So the IRA bucket is the same regardless of who the custodian is. When it's a self-directed IRA, um, then the bucket can contain real estate, promissory notes, you know, um, performing and non-performing debt, precious metals, um, private stock, lots of different kinds of asset classes. So what makes it self-directed is the asset class that sits inside the account. 
And you know, something that I noticed very early on when I started investing in a self-directed IRA, I was coming from just a general brokerage account coming from a stock investing background is I noticed that the the fee structure and the account setup is entirely different from, say, just to give an example, a, a Vanguard as a, as a regular just IRA custodian yeah. investing in, in stocks. So that's something that I had to get used to. How can we, as a new self-directed IRA investor, kind of what are we getting into as far <laughs> as you know, fees and setups? And what does that all look like if we're coming from Vanguard or Schwab or somebody like that? Right. Well, Vanguard and Schwab, they're charging you on the back end. And a lot of times you don't see what they're charging you. Um, when you make a trade, they're charging you. They may be taking uh, 1% for assets under management. They're taking a lot on the back end where you're not writing a check and it's not coming directly out of your account. It's actually coming off the proceeds of your investment. But with the self-directed IRA, the proceeds are, I should say, the fees are all transparent. You're, it's what you're charged up front is a for us a fifty dollars setup fee, a flat fee of two seventy five a year, and then some other little charges for um, things that are excessive, like if you do a lot of something, or maybe a bounce check, or you need something FedEx or something like that. So, so the fees are all upfront, and we don't participate in the gains of your assets. So you your IRA buys a house today, sells it. You know, in five years, you make $100,000, uh, we'll say, well, we're not taking a percentage of that gain. 100% of that gain is remaining in your IRA and not diminished uh, by tax. It's, it's tax protected, uh, you know, tax free in a Roth or tax deferred in a different kind of account. But we're, we're, not, uh, we're not participating in the gain of your assets like a Charles Schwab or a Northwestern Mutual or whomever E-Trade would be doing. And something that I hear people say all the time when they're talking about self-directed IRAs is you can grow your retirement tax-free. Is that really true? Yes, it is true. It is true. Mm. So in order to do that, you need to have a Roth IRA. And it's the newest kind of IRA. It was founded, I don't know, not that long ago, a few, maybe a decade or two decades ago. So a Roth IRA, um, you contribute to it with after-tax dollars. So you don't get a tax write-off for making a contribution. But that money and the proceeds from that seed money of your contribution is going to grow tax-free as long as you meet some qualifying conditions. Those conditions are that you're 59 and a half and that you have had a Roth IRA uh, for at least five years in your lifetime. So once you open a Roth IRA, you start that clock in your life. So everybody go out and open a Roth so your Roth clock starts, right? So you meet those two qualifying events. Well, you have a Roth IRA first. Secondly, you're 59 and a half. Third, um, you've had a Roth for five years. So um, there we go. Anyway, th that's what needs to happen. Then the money comes out tax-free for life. So as far as placing money in investments, say we've got money saved up, I'll just to use my own case, converting from a 401k from a previous employer to an IRA a traditional IRA and then converting that over to a Roth IRA and incurring some tax burden there, but turning that into say an investment in a real estate syndication and working with a, a self-directed IRA administrator or custodian, what is, what's that whole process look like to make that investment? Right. It's a three-step process. First you open the account. And so that involves, you know, filling out a form, obviously, uh, providing a copy of 
the statement for your account. Like you, you rolled over a 401k, so a copy of that 401k statement we would need. We have, again, a $50 setup fee, and we need a copy of your ID. Pretty straightforward. So step one, open the account, done. Takes a day. You, know, you give us the information the same day, you'll get an account number and so forth. The second step is funding that account. And so uh, you can do that in three ways. You can uh, write a check and contribute. And you might want to ask, ask your tax uh, person about how much you're allowed to contribute. We do have some information on the website about it. Um, so the second way you can add money to the IRA is to transfer from IRA to IRA. It's a transfer. We have a transfer form part of our application. The third way is what you did, Taylor, is, is a rollover where you have a previous employer plan. You contact that previous employer and say, hey, please roll my money over from this account to this IRA and they'll do it for you. A transfer, you fill out our documentation. A rollover, you fill out their documentation. A transfer is an IRA. A rollover is a previous employer plan. So you either you can fund the account. So step one, open the account. Step two, fund. And you fund by contribution, transfer, or rollover. And then step three is invest. So when you go to invest, we need the supporting documentation. We need the contract. We want to see the deal and the meat of it. So we'll need a direction of investment form, which is a very simple few questions about the about the transaction and how much money and that we have your permission to, send, to transfer the money or send it out. And we want to look at the documentation because obviously the devil's in the details and we want to take a look and see, are you, are you committing a prohibited transaction? And so we could talk about what those are in just a minute, but those are the three steps, open fund invest. And then at that point, 100% of the proceeds from that asset must go back into the IRA that owns the asset and hundred percent of the expenses of that asset must be paid for by the IRA. You're not paying any IRA expenses out of pocket. Don't do that. It's a prohibited transaction and it's game over for your account. What are some of the most, from your professional experience as an IRA administrator, what are some of the most, maybe three to five most common misconceptions about self-directed IRAs? One is that you can go to a bank and get a mortgage loan for an IRA on property. Can't do that. The reason is because there's no recourse against an IRA. So a bank won't make that loan. But an IRA can borrow money. And that's that's great. It's it's called a non-recourse loan, which can have different meanings. But in this case, it's a loan made not to you, the person, actually to the IRA account itself. So the IRA borrows money. Um, and usually these non-recourse lenders, they want, they want more skin in the game. So usually it's maybe like a 60-40. Uh, so you've got 60% IRA, 40% loan or something like that, or, you know, 70, 30 or something. And, but that what you need to know about this special kind of lending, that's also another misconception, is that, like you said, there's a tax and you better know that because I really think the self-directed IRA um, experience is like a game. And if I say, hey, Taylor, we're going to play a game. You're like, okay, what are the rules? I'm going to win this game. So if you want to, you know, are you type A people? So if you want to win the self-directed IRA game, you know the rules and you understand that your IRA can be taxed when it borrows money and your IRA can also be taxed when it invests in an active business. And so you get tax advice about that and you go on the IRS's website, which is irs.gov, and you look up publication 598, right? So you read about it, talk to your tax person about it, get tax advice. 
but just know that an IRA can be, even a Roth can be taxed. From my observations and based on my own personal experience, I think that's a big misconception that I've seen that because the distributions from your IRA can be tax-free like we discussed before, that people take that to mean that all activity of the IRA is then tax-free, you know, regardless as to whether or not you take out debt or invest in any particular business. Right. Today, we got a call and someone wants to invest in franchises. So we said, well, your IRA can certainly do that. However, when your IRA invests in an active business, it can lead to unrelated business income tax, UBIT. So we told them to, to check that out first. I would also be concerned in that case um, of them potentially committing a prohibited transaction. They're investing in a franchise that maybe they're going to work okay. in or maybe they are will are trying to maybe employ a, a, some of their children or something <laughs> along those lines. And they're not really going to have an arm's length transaction with the IRA in a, as a, in a franchise. That's right. So let's talk about prohibited transactions, kind of cover it sort of quickly. These, this is the game of keep away. You keep away from doing these things. And I think one good rule of thumb is with a self-directed IRA, you keep everything arm's length, right? So no self-dealing. You don't have any personal benefit. Your IRA doesn't make a loan to, to yourself. Your IRA doesn't make a loan to any disallowed people. And who are they, right? So these disallowed people, they're disallowed to your IRA, they're your lineal ascendants and descendants. They're your parents and grandparents and their spouses. It's you and your spouse. Your children and your grandchildren and their spouses are disallowed to your IRA. So your IRA doesn't buy a house and let your dad live in it, but your IRA could buy a house and your uncle could live in it. Not That's very yeah, interesting. And it's it's what is the word? It's it's counterintuitive, maybe. Uh, you wouldn't think that that would be the case, but it certainly is. So you must know the rules to win the game. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Want daily interviews with real estate investors and none of the fluff? Go to bestevershow.com where Joe Fairless interviews daily real estate investors and entrepreneurs about their best advice ever. Go to bestevershow.com. Karin, what is the best investment you ever made? Uh, the best investment I ever made has to be in my kids, in my children, you know, um, I know this is an investment show about investing and making money and, you know, and so forth. But, but why do we, why do we make money? The reason we make money is, is for our life. Right. And so, um, you know, college tuition and so many other things, that's the best investment. But I think as far as, um, you know, really actually making an investment goes is probably, I got this house in Kansas. So it's a, it's a pretty sweet deal. Got into it, you know, at a good time and, at a low price. And so we're just, it's a rental, you know, it's a holding that thing and, and getting that passive income. And I think passive income, mailbox, mailbox money, that's pretty cool. You know, through this process and through my own investing career, I've met a lot of very, very successful investors and they would give very similar answers related to, um, as it pertains to like, say, investing in their children's education or investing in relationships. So I think that's amongst you know, highly successful people. I think that's actually a very common it's answer. So, value. you know, absolutely. It's, it's the whole point of getting out and, and making money. Like you said, how about what is the worst investment you ever made? <laughs> wow. Um, uh, well, I'd probably say the biggest mistake I ever made was selling my Starbucks stock. I bought Starbucks at the IPO. I lived in Seattle at the time 
and I wow. sold it, which, wow, I can't even imagine because it, it, how much it would be worth right now. But I did sell it in order to have cash for a home purchase the very first time I bought a home. So I used it for, for, for good, for a good cause, but man, I wish I had that stuff, you know? Oh, I bet. I, I, I would figure if, if I was in your shoes, I'd be going back and calculating <laughs> how much would I have made and just kicking myself the whole time. Well, life is too short to do that. Yeah. What is the most important lesson that you've learned in investing? Do your due diligence. Oh my gosh. Make sure that, that you know the people. If you're investing with someone, uh, make sure you know these people. Talk to people who've invested with them. And don't just think that due diligence is what you do up front. Remember that due diligence is what you do on the back end. For example, if your IRA in, uh, buys a house, uh, did the lien get recorded? Same thing about if your IRA is making a secured note, was that uh, note recorded so that you actually have a lien on the property if it should not be paid back? Those kinds of things, cleaning up the details on the back end is the most uh, valuable thing that an investor should do. And while we have you here, I'd love to get, if you have any kind of stories from your own profession, from your own experience, what are some of the, the crazier things that you've seen <laughs> as an IRA administrator? Well, in the early days, um, we had this one young man who took his IRA. Now, I, I don't think this would fly today, but he took his IRA and he, it was a Roth, and he bought uh, sports tickets. He bought tickets actually to the Super Bowl. So, of course, now if he would have gone to the Super Bowl and used those tickets, it would have been a prohibited transaction because he would have received personal benefit. But he didn't. He sold these tickets at a profit, his Roth did, and he used an agent, like a third-party agent, to, to, to do the, you know. And so, anyway, um, sold the tickets, and the proceeds went back in his Roth tax-free for life. That was pretty clever. Wow. I like that one. It's almost like investing in precious metals or something, only it's precious paper. <laughs> well, do you realize that? When you buy a seat at a venue, that is real estate. A seat is real estate. That's a very interesting point. Yeah, it's basically a, a lease on the seat for the, the term of the Correct. game, yeah. right? And another, wow. another wacky very... one I would throw out there would be mango trees. I, I just, I don't know, it just kind of cracked me up. But you buy these trees when they're seedlings and you invest. And then as they grow, you know, so does the opportunity to make money. And then, of course, they're eventually harvested and, or cut down in whatever they do with a particular tree you've invested in. Um, and that, that's also sort of an unusual thing we don't see a lot of. Now, that is an asset we say is not administratively feasible for us because it's a difficult-to-value asset. How do you know how much that tree is really worth? So hard-to-value assets are um, difficult to custody. Wow, that's that's interesting. I mean, there there's a lot going around these days with people investing in coffee farms in Panama, for example, but they're investing in the dirt. You're saying these tree investors are literally investing in that tree right over there, not the ground under it, but the actual tree growing out of the ground. Yeah. Wow. That's that's very interesting. I've, I've never come across that and I can see that it would be very, very difficult to value from an administrative standpoint. Well, that's a good way to put it. Do go and say, well, what is this tree next to it worth? Well, wait a minute, I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I suppose it's always what a willing seller will sell for, or what a willing buyer will pay. But, uh, but there you go. Yeah, you need a, a particular set of skills to figure that out. So, while we have you here, is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience about self-directed IRAs or IRAs in general, and why folks should be I, using I would, them? Because 
first off, there's this huge deficit between what Americans have and what we need to retire. And, and I'm just telling you, we're coming up on a crisis, <laughs> but no one talks about it. So I'm going to talk about it right now. Save for your retirement, for Pete's sakes. And, and, and I mean, I know we're all living hand to mouth and, and doing what needs to happen so that our kids are taken care of and we have a good quality of life, but you've got to prepare for later. So like after you listen to this podcast, go contribute to your IRA. You know, go do that for yourself, for your future self. Your future self will thank you. And invest in, and prepare for the future. Because, you know, say you had like $100,000 in an IRA and you think, oh, I'm set for retirement. I mean, it's, it's a lot of money. Uh, to some people, it's, a, it's everything. And But if you took that $100,000 and you're 59 and a half, you know you're going to live until you're 86 and a half. So you're going to take like this even monthly distribution from your $100,000 pool of money you're only going to have just under $400 a month to live on. And that's not enough. So be prepared, save and invest. Wow. $400 a month. That is right. nothing. In Southern California where that I live, it's nothing. gas money. You know? I can definitely say it's, it's very exciting to be a self-directed IRA investor as well, because as one syndicator put it to me, and, and I thought about this as a very good angle, that it's, it's patient money. As an investor with a self-directed IRA, I have more patience with that money than I do with funds that I invest out of a cash account because I'm 29 as we speak. I'm not at the, in the best case scenario, I'm not going to be able to touch that money for another 30 years. So I can be very patient with where I invest it, where I place it, and then making and a return. And that patient is fantastic because then you really need to hold on to it. You're not going to cash it out like I did with my Starbucks stock. You know, you're going to have it there. When you're ready to retire. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And there's no temptation to draw off of the returns and buy a car or something yeah. silly like that. So, Karin, thank you for joining us on the show today. Where can our investors and our listeners get well, in touch with you? Look at our website. First off, it has all the information, which is uh, the letter U, udirectira.com, udirectira.com. And you can... Email us, info at udirectira.com. That's a, a great way. Our toll-free number, it's 866-538-3539. So all those ways will will reach us. To all the listeners out there, thank you for tuning in. Please subscribe to Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating on iTunes and a comment. That's a huge help, really helps get other listeners coming to the show. And if you know anyone that would benefit from all of the content that we're bringing to you to grow your wealth, please share the show with them and bring them into the fold. Till next time, this is Taylor Lote, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>